Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome back to Arizona, another edition of our Buckeye Talk podcast. Uh, this is Bill Landis of Cleveland.com here with Ari Wasserman. I uh, just got over a minor meltdown because I thought I deleted our previously recorded game picks for the Fiesta Bowl between Ohio State and Clemson, which you'll hear uh, in a few minutes. Uh, it's just Ari and I right now. Doug is in El Paso, Texas, covering the Sun Bowl, where uh, future, possible future Cleveland Browns quarterback Mitch Trubisky, a Northeast Ohio native, is playing uh, with UNC against Stanford. So that's why Doug's not here right now. It's just me and Ari. And this morning in Scottsdale, Arizona, we had the final media availability before the Fiesta Bowl. It was Urban Meyer and Dabo Swinney. Is it Swinney or Sweeney? Sweeney, I think. Whatever. Whatever, Uh, Ruben. Joint head coach press conference uh, in the ballroom here at the Camelback Inn. Uh, Ari and I were both there. Uh, About a half hour long. Nothing much ever comes out of those things, Ari. I don't know if there was anything at all that you took away. You did a a quick post on Cleveland.com slash OSU about... A couple takeaways from the press conference. Was there anything that jumped out to you about what Meyer or uh, Sweeney said? Urban Meyer wears game day underwear. That's true. He, uh, yeah, we found that out. I mean, I think you could assume that he did. But he was talking about... Special game day underwear. He said before, like, it's not like games like this don't come down to lucky t-shirts or good fortune. And Dabo made the joke about wearing lucky underwear. And Urban Meyer did, in fact, confirm... He said it's... He said, it's not about the lucky t-shirt or anything, it's just about preparation. And Urban, and then Dabo interrupted and said, I thought it was the lucky underwear. And then Urban said, I mean, I wear them. And everybody laughed and it was a good moment. But the weird thing that I think is fu- funny about the Fiesta Bowl is, is that you come here on a Tuesday and the game's on a Saturday and all week all we do is we're on a hotel and we talk to people and we write stories all week. But Urban Meyer talks for five minutes when he lands and then doesn't talk again to the media until 24 hours before the game when we've written everything. Well, so he, about, ta- he talked the media day, but media the, day, the point right. still stands. We go, he arrives and we go three days without talking to the head coach. And, we've already, and we've already written a million stories between then and, and when he talked. And by the time this, this press conference comes, it's joint press conference, so they're both sitting next to each other. It's awkward. You can't ask in-depth questions that you might want to ask if you were in Columbus. And really, I find a lot of times that these press conferences are more of like a formal, like photo opportunity photo op, there yeah. than yeah. they are um, for gathering information. So, I think we've gathered a ton of information, which you can find on Cleveland.com. Right. But um, by the time this you listen to this and you get our game picks, it's pretty much game mode at this point. And um, you know, the one the, the one interesting thing I think he said was that he forgot that it's already been ten years since his first national title, which happened in this stadium. So um, with Florida against with Florida, State. and he was he he went back, and I put that in the post. Um, 
and thought about just Percy Harvin getting a first down and, and running the clock out and kind of what that meant for his life. Um, but as far as tactical, interesting takeaway for the game, that that's not what uh, Friday morning was about. Yeah, I thought, yeah, it's not, you're right, it's not about really gleaning anything as it pertains to the football game. I thought Urban Meyer talking about his feelings of winning his first national championship while sitting next to Dabo Swinney, who's trying to win his first um, at Clemson, and he's built a great program. And um, I think it might have been Ralph Russo who asked was. Dabo the question, but I found myself also wondering, like, what's going through Dabo's head right now? As Urban Meyer describes the feeling of winning his first national championship, and it was a, it was an interesting sort of scene for a so few it's seconds. It's removed, though, still, I think. What do you mean? Um, this isn't the national title game. So no, but no, but I mean, but Dabo was here last year. I think that like Clemson he might have reflected more so on being as close as they were because Clemson almost beat Alabama. Yeah, um, but you know, two when you're two wins away from a national title, it's two wins. You know, you're, yeah. you're right there. So that's, that's true point. for all four teams. Yeah. But like, I still think that this isn't. It might not have been too painful for him just yet because they still have another game to win. Right. Okay. So the press conference is kind of boring. Our game picks are not. So let's get the game picks, uh, Doug. Ari and myself uh, recorded these on Thursday night, so it's pre-recorded, but it's still awesome. Here are our game picks for Ohio State versus Clemson in the Fiesta Bowl. All right, this is the Money Show. We're making our picks. Ari, Bill, and Doug. Um, we've been sort of like waiting for this because we haven't been sure, and I think we're recording this, and I think we're still not sure. Um, I think there are a couple things that this game turns on. Are there a couple things that you guys are really zeroed in on as you made your pick of like, this in the end is what put me over the top toward the team that I'm picking? Yeah, I think, um, and this will give away my pick, I guess, but I think the teams are very evenly matched, which you've been saying all week, and I just think about Ohio State's defense's ability to turn turnovers into touchdowns by itself, not set up the offensive score, score itself. Um, was it seven pick sixes this year? And they're playing a quarterback in Deshaun Watson who's super aggressive, and that's why Clemson's good. But I don't know if Clemson's played a defense that's as opportunistic as Ohio State's, that has the athletes that Ohio State has, and has the guys that are capable of scoring touchdowns when the ball's in their hand. So when I thought about it, and like I thought, the, thought about the thing that I thought could turn the game, and the thing I think that might happen is Ohio State's defense scores a touchdown. And I think when you have two evenly matched teams like this, that's what swings it. What's your thing? Ari, Ari's head... Is in his I, arms because he's so conflicted. This is like my new, like, I'm sitting Indian style beneath them. That's my new uh, preferred podcast position. Let me ask you guys this before I reveal my, my pick. Last year, Ohio State lost to Michigan State. Ohio State went to the playoff, or excuse me, did not go to the playoff, but they looked very good against Michigan and Notre Dame. If last year's Ohio State team would have gone to the playoff, Instead of the Fiesta Bowl, do you think that team was one of the four best teams in the country as it stood at the end of the year? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Probably. I mean, I think they probably were better than Oklahoma, uh, who lost to Clemson. And I think, you know, again, I I would never have put Ohio State in instead of Michigan State, but Michigan State got waxed by Alabama. And I think Ohio State, with the talent they have, would have played Alabama much closer and would have had a shot to win against Alabama. I buy in a lot to Clemson this year as last year's Ohio State. And I think Clemson didn't end up losing the game that they couldn't lose 
in order to get into the playoff, and they are having the opportunity potentially that Ohio State last year didn't have. Does that make sense? And I think because of that, because this is the best quarterback Ohio State's faced, maybe in the history of the Meyer era, um, even more so than Mariota when it comes to just being a really good quarterback all around, um, the talent that's on the field is not comparable to anything that Ohio State's seen this year. The fact that Mike Williams is back. Um, I know, and again, I think that this week I will say that before I announce that I'm picking Clemson, that it does seem like Ohio State's got a little bit of an edge here. I don't know why I feel that way. But my heart and my brain kind of think that Clemson is the better team. Ohio State lost almost lost four of their last seven games. I don't think that they can get their passing in order when you say Ohio State has to score 28 points to win. I don't know if three weeks of ball practice is going to change the thing that's been a problem for them all year. And I don't know if I can just blindly ignore the fact that Ohio State's offense has struggled mightily a lot this year, and they're playing a very explosive offense that, unlike Michigan, as you've mentioned, Doug, in previous podcasts, is a lot better than Michigan's offense was. So I think that Clemson is just a better team right now. They might not be more talented from a natural athleticism standpoint, but I think right now they're the better football team. So, Bill, what's the thing you said about the young guys on Clemson's offensive line? You were just saying that a couple minutes ago. Oh, that they have a, a true freshman right tackle and a true sophomore left tackle? Because we've been talking about that. We've been talking about Isaiah Prince yeah. and Michael Jordan for Ohio State, a true sophomore and a true freshman starting for Ohio State. And we've made kind of a big deal about that, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but Clemson's doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think here are the three things that I'm focused on. One is if both of these offensive lines – have young players who maybe you could not take advantage of, but go at in this game, which defensive line is more geared to go attack those young offensive linemen? Ohio State's defensive line or Clemson's defensive line? Clemson's. Clemson's, yeah. Ohio State doesn't have a Joey Bosa. I mean, as good as Tyquan Lewis, and I'm going to have a a game day story on Tyquan Lewis that I think is pretty interesting. He's made some huge plays this year. Um... I don't think Tyquan Lewis and Joey Bosa, excuse me, Tyquan Lewis and Sam Hubbard make you shake in your boots the way maybe Christian Wilkins and Carlos Watkins and Dexter Lawrence do. I would agree with that, but I like Clemson also does not have a Joey Bosa. Christian Wilkins is very good. He's not Joey Bosa good. And Dexter Lawrence is a freak. And maybe like next year, yeah, that guy's the best defensive lineman in the country and it's not even close. We don't know it yet. Um, But I, I think Clemson's defensive line is slightly better. I don't think it's significantly better than Ohio State's. And I do think the Rushman package with Ohio State is a problem for Clemson. I think we talked about that before. You get the four pass rushers in there. I think that's a unique look. I don't think a lot of teams put four natural pass rushers on the field like that. Um, But, again, given a month, I'm going to be very curious to see what Clemson has schemed up on third and seven when that happens. They very well may have a look of run guys deep, tell Deshaun Watson – to be on alert, and as soon as those guys get three steps off the ball, run. You know, like they could really have an answer to that. Um, so I'm giving Clemson the defensive line edge. I think that's that's one thing. Mostly the ends. Mostly the idea of if there's a matchup that I think is the biggest problem for either side, it's, it's what Clemson might be able to do against Isaiah Prince. The second thing is JT Barrett running the ball is Ohio State's most reliable weapon, and I think especially running it inside on some of those quarterback draws. I think with Carlos Watkins and and Dexter Lawrence inside, 
JT Barrett will not find the running room, especially on those downhill runs where he looks to just take off right up the middle. I think he will find less room than usual. And I think if Clemson slows down the Ohio State run game, let me ask you this. If Ohio State can't run it with JT Barrett, how much trouble do you think Ohio State's in? A lot. Um, like, to the point where they can't do anything offensively. Um, I don't think that's going to happen, but certainly that's I mean, that's, yeah. the, that's the worst possible scenario for Ohio State. Right. I mean, JT Barrett has found a way to run on a lot of people. And you asked Brett Venables about that this week. You guys, you know, he was saying, why does the quarterback draw work so well? And it, it just does. You know, like nobody really has an answer to it, right? I mean, even a great defensive coordinator can't exactly explain why JT Barrett converts third and sixes. Well, his explanation running. was that there were a lot of things that you have to read and defend outside of it that uh, prevents you from selling out on it. Right. But that is not relevant when you have a guy who can eat up the entire interior offensive line. And I think maybe I agree with Brent Venables saying that. I think defenses don't key on that enough. Like, they're so worried. If I had a month to study Ohio State, I would say I am not going to key on anything else. If it's third and six, you're picking it up any other way but that. Make him throw. Make him hand it to somebody else. Like, I, it, whatever it takes, whether, whether it's a spy, whether it's some kind of thing where you try to box him in, but if you have to take a guy out of coverage and, and make your corners cover guys, I would rather put it on the Ohio State receivers and JT Barrett throwing it. I think... Ben Venables is right by that, but my guess would be after a month of looking at it, he's going to say, you have to key on other things. No, we're not going to key on other things. We're going to key on JT Barrett when it's the money down and he runs. But wouldn't that have happened already? I just, I don't, yes, but I think a month is different than a week. It's like the, when you have a But thing, they've been doing it for three years. No, I agree. Which It's just like, and I just don't know if there's something you can quote-unquote scheme up to stop it. It's like sometimes you'll stop it and sometimes you won't. I don't think it's something you can completely completely shut down because if you could, I feel like defensive would have done it, particularly this year when Ohio State couldn't throw the ball at all. Yeah, that's possible. That like the magic elixir of just stop JT Barrett from running. Venable said that Curtis Samuel really makes people uncomfortable. His existence. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that is a major underrated thing as to what's happening. And I think that people and defenses, and you talk about bend but don't break, which I think is annoying, but... I think they would rather let JT run for six yards on third and six and get burned down the sideline for a touchdown. Make him work for it on a drive. Don't give him a big play. Hit him. Beat him up a little bit. And, um, you know, maybe he fumbles it. Maybe they don't get there. Maybe they stop him. But it's a lot better than selling out and then watching Samuel slip behind somebody. So that's my second thing is Clemson, with its defensive line and scheme, making it more difficult for JT Barrett to run than usual. My third thing is... I'm imagining scenarios where Ohio State has good coverage on Clemson receivers and they catch it anyway, mm-hmm. especially down the field. And I think we could see two or three big plays where it's like Mike Williams or Jordan Leggett or somebody is running down the field, down the seam, whatever, and Marshawn Lattimore or Malik Hooker or Damon Webb or Denzel Ward or Gary and Conley is right there with them and they catch it anyway because they throw those 50-50 balls, as they said. And maybe Ohio State will make a couple picks there, but I also think there could be a couple back-breaking plays like that, and I think it's much more likely that Clemson makes big plays like that than Ohio State does. Jordan Leggett would be the guy that scares me the most when you're talking about that stuff because Mike Williams is a monster, but I like my matchup from Ohio State if it's Gary on Conley or Marshawn Lattimore covering him. Like He'll win some and they'll win some, 
I don't know if I like anyone like because they're not going to put a corner on Jordan Leggett. Who's it going to be? I just don't think they can. If you have Mike Williams and you have Artavis Scott and you have Hunter Renfro and you like mix Deion Kane in there, that's four really good wide receivers that you want to cover. I think with cornerbacks, and then it's like you put a linebacker or a safety so on Jordan Worley. Leggett, and then Jordan Leggett's going to win. I think more often than not, Worley has been a better cover linebacker than we thought he would be, but that's yeah. still a tough matchup for any linebacker, right? Right, and, and even if it's just like the thing that that Greg Schiano said about. Jordan Leggett is that Jordan Leggett scores touchdowns when he catches the ball. He had 38 catches, seven touchdowns. So he scores a touchdown every five every five times he catches the ball. So if he gets five catches, he's going to score against Ohio State. Um, so even if you shut him down half the time on half his targets, the guy's going to score a touchdown. And I think in a game like this, I mean, what, one touchdown is a difference. So Ohio State averages 42.7 points this year. Clemson averages 40.2 points. In the last six games for each team, Clemson averages 44.3 and Ohio State averages 33.8. So in the last half of the season, Clemson's scoring 10.5 more points per game than Ohio State. Um, In the last six games, Clemson hasn't scored fewer than 35 in any game. In the last six games, actually... Let's go back seven for Ohio State. In the last seven games, Ohio State's been held to 24 points or fewer in regulation five out of seven games. They had the two 62-point explosion against Nebraska and Maryland. They scored 23 in regulation against Wisconsin, um, 21 in the loss to Penn State, 24 against Northwestern, 17 against Michigan State, and 17 in regulation against Michigan. So the 42.7 points per game that Ohio State scores – is inflated. inflated by the 77 against Bowling Green in the opener and the 58 against Rutgers. Their first four games, they scored 77, 48, 45, and 58. And since then, they've been in the 20s and 30s. And then they had two other 62-point games, which you can't erase. I just don't think we're going to see the 62-point offense in this game. And I think if you see the 20-point offense, the 24-point offense – and we know the Big Ten plays defense, right? So that's part of that is Clemson wasn't playing Big Ten defenses each week. They scored 24 against Northwestern. That still sticks with me a little bit. Um, so I'm going to pick Clemson. I'm going to pick Clemson in this game. I think JT Barrett – do you guys do you think JT Barrett's going to be good? Do you think JT Barrett will play well? Um, yeah, I do. And that's why I'm picking Ohio State is because I think he, he's going to – I wrote this earlier in the week about – national champions in the way they throw the ball. And I like came into the to the bowl season like thinking that Ohio State had to completely revamp its passing game to the point where like it had to match Clemson. Meaning like Ohio State's gonna throw three hundred yards like Clemson does and JT Barrett's gonna have to be Deshaun Watson, which I think is not even on the table because that's not the team they are. But it's not about how much you throw or how many yards you throw for. It's like the kind of throws you're able to make and the way you move the ball throwing the way you move the ball throwing it, which is Quick hits, get it out of your hand quickly, don't take sacks, do it well enough that they have to respect it to open things up for the run. And I think that is not that hard of an ask for Ohio State. I know they haven't done it much this season, but I think that is certainly easier than saying go out there and chuck it around the yard and throw it 300 yards and match to Sean Watson throw for throw. Um, so I think that kind of game, which is like what JT Barrett did in 2014, um, he wasn't a 35 pass attempt, 300 yards a game guy. His yards per game are largely similar to what he did in 2014. It's just like the type of throws he's making are a little different. 
Um, so I think if he can get a little more back to that 2014, that's a good JT Barrett. And that's a JT Barrett that's capable of winning this I think game. Ohio State can get to 28. But I am I crazy for thinking that for as good as Ohio State's defense was this year, and they are very good, and they've got NFL guys everywhere. We've talked about it a thousand times. I don't think they've seen anything like this yet. I mean, there's I mean, very few teams Oklahoma, in college football that, that, that maybe Clemson has. that has an offense like this. But when you talk about talent across the field and people who do things as well as I don't think that – I think 35 or holding Clemson to 31 would be a good thing. Right? Touchdown a quarter maybe? Mm-hmm. Isn't that like a success? Yeah, definitely. And even the successful defensive output still might not be enough. Here, here let me ask you this. Ohio State truly was great at Oklahoma, weren't they? Yeah. They were, yeah. They were great. They won convincingly against an Oklahoma team that's in one of the major bowls that had two Heisman finalists. It's the game that as, got him here. As much as we talked about Baker Mayfield and what he could do before that game, Baker Mayfield was not that scary to me in that game. And I think it's because Ohio State made him not that scary. And I think the rest of the year, he was scary. He was like, oh my gosh, what's Baker Mayfield going to do? How did we stop him? And Ohio State, they didn't completely shut him down, but they just handled him. I think that that Ohio State team can absolutely beat Clemson. Well, what, what do you but think I happened don't then? But I don't think we've seen that Ohio State team necessarily well, I since think, then. I wonder, everybody goes back to that game, though, and remembers their offense. It's funny that you bring up their defense in that game. I wonder how much... I think about 2014 when Ohio State played Virginia Tech, and it was the second game of the season. But we got the impression after the fact that Bud Foster spent that entire offseason planning for Ohio State, even though they played a game before they played Ohio State. They played William & Mary, I think. So if Ohio State spent the entire summer preparing for Oklahoma because they knew they played Bowling Green and Tulsa and they could win those games even if they didn't play that well, that it was the preparation for that game that led to them playing that well against Oklahoma, that would give me confidence that they only have 30 days to prepare for Clemson. That when they have a, they have a still a relatively inexperienced team, they're certainly experienced now because they played all year, but when they have guys like that, they have talent, they have good coaches when they can really lock it down. Yeah. Because that's like, and you said it too, like week week to week, it's hard to prepare for things and hard to adjust things. But if your game prep during the preseason was a couple days of Bowling Green, a couple days of Clemson, and a lot, or a couple days of Tulsa and a lot of Oklahoma, and that's why you look the way you looked against Oklahoma, I think there could be some truth to that. And now it's the same thing to prepare for Clemson. Yeah, I just don't understand. Everybody always talks about that game, and it's a preparation. I mean, it's a good point, but like, was Ohio State's offense explosive and unstoppable in that game, or was... It was efficient. They looked unstoppable to me. And maybe part of the reason was because I thought they had Calvin Johnson on their team for a minute. Right. But, like, you bring up the defense. It's a really good point. But I think a lot of people are like, well, what if we get the offense? Like, an Ohio State Ohio State fan would say, what if we get the offense back? And Yeah, I mean, the, the big thing about, you know, Noel Brown had four touchdown catches. He only had five catches, but four of them were for touchdowns. They picked on a weak link. Oklahoma had a, almost a devastatingly weak link at the second corner spot, right? Yeah. That they had changed the guy who was there. I think maybe even the guy who played the rest of the year wasn't the guy who played against Ohio State. Mm-hmm. I don't know that Clemson has a devastatingly weak link by that. And so if you don't just have a guy that you can fire at, again, talking about JT Barrett and his confidence, that kind of thing, it's like just get that matchup and throw it. I know Noah Brown's going to win that matchup. It made JT Barrett more confident to take those shots. I don't know that there's a link like that 
for Clemson. But you should still do it, right? Gotta try it. Here's what I think. Here's how I sort of envision the game going. I think JT Barrett's going to be pretty good. I think Ohio State's offense is going to be pretty effective. I think Deshaun Watson is not going to be a world beater, but I think Deshaun Watson's going to be pretty good. And I think it's going to be a close game, but I think Clemson is going to hit a couple deep shots on 50-50 balls that are going to make Ohio State fans groan. And I think it may be one of those games where Ohio State could gain more yards. I think it might be one of those games where you feel like Ohio State plays better and is the better team. And, oh, man, if they didn't hit those two 60-yard touchdowns, we would have won kind of thing. I think that's what Ohio State fans could be walking away from. Certainly what you're suggesting, Bill, the huge play like they got against the Michigan game. Ohio State's defense was the best offense the Buckeyes had yes. in the Michigan game. If they get plays like that where they get a pick six and they get another interception that sets up a short field for a touchdown, that's huge. I don't think they'll get it to that extent. I think on the huge play meter of Deshaun Watson versus Ohio State secondary, I'm going to bet that Deshaun Watson and the Clemson receivers make a couple more huge plays, and that's the difference, and that Ohio State fans could end up feeling very frustrated that the Buckeyes played well, and how did we not win that game? I don't even think Deshaun Watson's that great. He wasn't great every single down, but they hit two 60-yard touchdowns where somebody jumped over somebody, and you leave your you leave the game shaking your head about what got away. Because I I certainly think. Oh, do you think both teams are going to look good? Yes. Like, are we all on the same page of our takeaway from this? Is these are two because even like last year, the Ohio State Notre Dame game, Notre Dame in the end wasn't that great. Yeah, they, and they didn't look very good that day. Yeah, and, but we talked about before that game. It was all about these are the two teams in bowls with the most NFL talent, and they lost their best player early. But Ohio State lost their best player early too. Jalen Smith got hurt. Joey Bosa got ejected. But Ohio State was clearly looked like the better team, and Notre Dame sort of you made you think, man, I, they're not as good as I thought their talent would make them. Um, I'm expecting both teams to be really good on this game. Let me ask you a question and. I ask this because Brent Venable said something interesting when we were talking with him on Tuesday or Wednesday, whichever day it was. And he was getting asked a lot about that play against Virginia Tech. I don't know if you guys ever went and watched it or if anyone listening saw it. It was a third down throw when Clemson dropped 11 guys in the coverage. And apparently it was a botch play because one guy was supposed to rush, rush. But when that happened, Clemson was up by three touchdowns in the second half of the game. Virginia Tech completed a pass because Clemson got cute on defense, and that allowed Virginia Tech to get back into the game. And uh, Clemson ended up winning the ACC championship by a touchdown in a game where had they lost, they wouldn't even be in the playoff right now. Do you think it's possible that Brett Venable's defensive mastermind tries to get a little too cute against Ohio State? I think that's possible, and I think Ohio State is geared to come back on teams too. Yes. Especially... You could also see a situation where it's a game like that where maybe Clemson has a lead and they get a little cute, cute. And just like we saw in the Michigan game, Ohio State got their offense rolling at the end. And if Clemson's up by 10 entering the fourth quarter and they get a little cute and Ohio State, that's when they win. I could see two fourth quarter touchdowns and a 10 point deficit turned into a four point Ohio State win. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm in, like, I'm envisioning, like, I'm picking Ohio State to win. I'm envisioning something that looks a lot like the Michigan game. Um, 
where Ohio State has to find a way to hang around and like not let Clemson get up big in the first half, which certainly they're capable of. Um, they have to limit explosive plays in the first half and, and not go into the second half trailing by multiple touchdowns. If they can go into the second half and it's a close game, even if they're struggling, I just think this team is built to sort of wear teams down and run the ball even when you think they shouldn't be running because they're down and they need to move it quickly to score. Um, I think Ohio State actually kind of thrives in that position. And if it's in the fourth quarter and they're down by a touchdown or they're down by 10 points, I, in a weird way, like Ohio State's chances because I think they've shown this year that they just, like, and it's weird. You, like, wrote the story. Like, why are they so hard to beat? Like, just, like, strangely, inexplicably find ways to win games even when they look terrible and look like they shouldn't win. Um, and I think Ohio State's defense is, is certainly good enough to keep Clemson in check enough when it's not out of hand early, even if Ohio State starts slow offensively. I think there's a lot of people like to talk a lot about Mickey Marotti and the, the weight room and the strength staff and all that. I think there's enough proof sometimes, and when you look at how games end, that they do hang around, they do wear people. I think that's a legitimate like tactical thing that I think they they do wear people down. And the I think of, they're, they're top ten in the country in time of possession this year. And that's part of the run game. I mean, like a sixty yard touchdown pass doesn't wear you down. It puts seven points on the board, but it doesn't wear you down. You know, like if Every play, you're trying to figure out if JT Barrett, Mike Weber, or Curtis Samuel is going to run it, and they put drives together. Do you think Ohio State's going to go up-tempo a lot? No, I don't. I think they're going to try to drive the game out. Because you you'd rather wear them down. I mean, it's funny. Sometimes they're at their best up-tempo, but I think sometimes they've realized this year, I don't know if it's young offensive linemen, or that they did seem to, at times, come to the realization that, you know what? Let's not be in a hurry to score. Let's put it together a 12-play drive and try to move on these guys much more than they had in the past. Yeah, and it's, it's a product of not being able to throw. They're not they're just not taking the shots down the field that shorten drives. Um, and they don't have the big hits in a running game this year that also shorten drives. Like Zeke Elliott would run for 80 yards on a two-play drive, and like an 80-yard touchdown, and your drive was 45 seconds long. Um, that happened a lot in the last two seasons. I don't know if they I, – I, how many one-play scoring drives have they had this year? Have they had any? I mean, I think they had a two. They had the one against Penn State where Curtis Samuel ran like seventy-two right. yards. I think that was a two-play scoring drive, but it was basically a one-yard run and a seventy-three-yard run. And I feel like they like before this season, the last two years, they had like a multiple two-three-play scoring drives. Right, that was rare. Yeah, that stood out because it didn't happen that much. Um, Ari, do you think you think it's so? When Raekwon McMillan got mad in Columbus about the idea of a shootout. Is there any way that this is low scoring? Is there any way that this is 21-17? I don't think so. Do you think so, Bill? I do. Okay. Yeah. It would require Deshaun Watson throwing some picks. But I think the final score is going to be like 31 to 28. They 34-28. Clemson something. scored 19 in its first game against Auburn mm-hmm. and then they had that I think uh 24 was the NC State game, right? Yeah. So, um, again, since then, Clemson 37, 54, 42, 35, 56, 42. Um, but again, they have not well, faced State the Ohio holds, State defense. Ohio State holds Clemson at 17 points, then. I mean, I mean, it's a big ask. And I, yeah. I think it's on the table, and it'd be really difficult to do, but I don't think it's possible that it's a low scoring game. It's, I, I think they're both going to move the ball. I think it's going to be a lot of stuff. Who converts in the red zone? I mean, that's not, that's not brilliant analysis. But Ohio State's usually really good in the red zone because they run it well. Um, I think Deshaun Watson hasn't run it as much. It seems like – I think we went through some stats earlier at some point where 
he runs it in the big games. He just didn't run it as much in the, in the easy games. Mm-hmm. In the big games, Louisville, Florida State, ACC Championship, then he's running it in the high teens. So I think we are going to see Deshaun Watson, the runner. I think we're going to see Deshaun Watson, the runner, in the red zone. Um, but that passing game, if uh, that passing game still, I think, is what concerns me the most if I'm Ohio State. That Again, it doesn't wear you down, but if they get 14 easy points or even just seven easy points – off not even a great route, not even a great throw, but just go up and make a play, I think that's the kind of thing that swings it in a tight game. Clemson's last five games, they played one top 30 defense. I mean, we talk about it all year, right? I mean, the Big Ten has the best defense in the country. So now here we are. It's like I'm running through point totals, and it's like, yeah, Clemson wasn't playing in the Big Ten. Is it possible that Ohio State played such good defenses and has such a good defense that they're like much better than Clemson and we just can't tell? Well, Clemson did play good de- like Clemson like Auburn's good defense. Louisville's got a good de- like they put some points on Louisville. And statistically, Louisville's a good defense. But yes, I think that is possible. The Louisville game was forty two thirty six Clemson. That I think is and that was that was a game we watched right. It wasn't like super low scoring. There like the, there was like nobody I think scored it was like in the first nothing half or something at halftime. Right. <laughs> there were like nineteen touchdowns scored in the second half of that game. Okay, so let's give more picks. Um, Bill, you're you're you have a good read on this. I like your analysis of this. What's your actual score? Uh, my score is Ohio State twenty eight, Clemson twenty one. Write that um, down. Write Ari, down. Ari, what's your score? Clemson thirty four, Ohio State twenty seven. Oh. I already had my score written down before you said yours. What was yours? Thirty four thirty. Okay. Um, Clemson, right? Clemson. That is uh, that's three field goals. That's three field goals, like third and third and six from the nine yard line, and they throw a ball into the end zone, like Noah Brown caught against Oklahoma, and this one goes off his fingertips, and like Urban Meyer is trying to find a way to go for it on fourth and six from the nine because they've just been on a 11-play, 71-yard drive, and it's driving him crazy that he can't go for it. But you can't go for it on fourth and six from the nine and then kick a field goal. And then Clemson comes out and throws a 61-yard touchdown pass. Then Ohio State moves the ball down. and Kind of sounds like the first half of the Alabama game. They're going, It's going really well. And then all of a sudden they get to the 28-yard line and they try to run a trick play and it doesn't work. And now it's second and 10 and they run a QB draw with JT, but they're ready for it. It only gets two yards. Now it's third and eight. And they throw a swing pass to Curtis Samuel and one of the athletic Clemson defensive linemen tracks him down and they only get seven. And now it's fourth and one and he doesn't know what to do. They're going for it on that one. You know, but... And he has to kick a 41-yard field goal. If it's fourth and one anywhere inside the 30, it, they're yes. going for it. If, I think if it's fourth and four or shorter anywhere inside the 30-yard line, they're going for it because they need to score touchdowns. Well, if they don't get it. Then it'll be 34-27, which is my score. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's set, a couple, let's set a couple other things, guesses on this. Um, sacks count against JT Barrett's rushing totals. Mm-hmm. Um, how many carries will JT Barrett have? He had 30 in the Michigan game. That was eight sacks and then 22 other carries, right? Yeah. So are you counting? So you can't count the sacks. In the, but in the stats, in the stats, it says 30. So what's the what are the stats going to say? How many carries for JT Barrett? 25. I was going to say 26. 
Okay. That sounds right to me. 25 or 26. How many carries for Curtis Samuel? Four. Eight. I hope it's 10. Yeah, I was going to say 10. Like, I would love for it to be 10. I think there's a chance it's like 15. You're not gonna, you have to ask for the receptions now. Receptions for Curtis Samuel. Nine. That's a lot. I uh, think a lot of them might be swing pass type oh, stuff. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Because uh, I went extra low. I think he's going to get fifteen touches. Yeah, I'll say, I'll say, I'll say seven, seven receptions. So that's fifteen touches for me too. Fifteen touches, you say each yeah. of you. Well, mine touches. was thirteen technically, but I think it'll be between thirteen and fifteen total touches. I'm going over twenty on the touches. Yeah, if I, that happens, then it, they might win. I think it's I, what it needs to be. I just, I don't know if they're, they're going to go there, but I think you can't. You're in the playoff now, and I wonder if, you, if the, if the reason. Curtis Samuel did not touch the ball enough was because of durability. Three weeks off, no games, two more games left, playoff scenario, that no longer. If that is the reason, I could see 20 or more. Twelve. If rushes, that is indeed the reason. 12 rushes, 8 receptions. I, like, I'm very interested in, and I wrote about that with Curtis Samuel, trying to give Ohio State credit for, like, maybe that was the reason. Um, Bill, you touched on this with Mike Weber. You know, Mike Weber was not a huge part of the Michigan game plan. Yeah, Clemson has said a lot of good things about Mike Weber. A couple Clemson guys on their own volunteered, like, I like that running back. How much of a part of the game plan is Mike Weber here? Because they they didn't use Mike Weber a lot against Michigan, and they didn't score very much against Michigan. I got my number Michigan. for carries. My number of carries for Mike Weber is 16. I was going to say 12. But, like, not 20. No. Right? So, I'm saying, so we had not- JT ran the ball 30 times against Michigan with sacks. And I think that's a product of Mike Weber not being involved enough. So if I say he has 25, take those five carries, give him to Mike Weber. Okay. I think it's going to be good. I think Mike Weber is not there yet. I think he's a very good young running back. I think he's been successful, been consistent. He's been nice. I don't think he's there yet. You think it might just be JT and Curtis Samuel? I think just there, if Ohio State's going to win, it's going to be the JT Barrett and Curtis Samuel show. But I think Weber has to be involved. I think the triple option aspect of Ohio State's offense is very important, and that third threat needs to be there, which means Weber has to touch the ball a few times. Otherwise, I think not 12 times is a lot of times. That's enough? Yeah. I think that's enough. And here's the thing I think. I feel like there have been enough memorable times this year where JT Barrett is in the backfield or near the line of scrimmage, surrounded by four guys. You know, like he, mm-hmm. his, 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 the sacks affect it, but like his yards per carry isn't gigantic. Um, as much as he does pop those draws sometimes, they also run some, some quarterback runs with him that just get two yards sometimes. And yeah. I think we might see, I think if, if, if they come out, if you come out and try to run JT Barrett in the first two series, and he gets two yards here, three yards here, two yards here. I think not certainly not panic, but I think worry may set in on the Ohio State offense. Yeah, I think a little bit. Um, but I also wrote that this might be the exact defense for JT to throw against because if he's really locked in and willing to let it go, do you think JT Barrett's going to let it go? Yes. Yeah, I, I think I, I think he will. If he and does, let it, and let it go means it doesn't doesn't mean throwing the ball forty yards on every play. But it means um, getting the ball out quick and being willing to, willing to throw into some tighter windows. Not hesitating. Right. Not double pumping. Yeah. Hitting the guys. And the receivers have to be in the right spot. You know, I think sometimes, obviously, those double pumps we see from JT is because the receiver 
didn't run his route correctly or isn't in the spot where, or is completely covered. So they have to get open. You can't, you can't decide you're going to let it go and then throw it to a guy who you can't even see him. He's so covered. Well, I wonder, I mean, maybe we've said this before when we were talking about the receivers, but I wonder how often not open means not open enough to where the point JT is comfortable and like NFL open. And I think guys, if guys are NFL open, JT needs to throw the ball. Yeah. I think that will be the difference. And I, and I think we all agree that he will. I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to it. I think I really like Clemson. I've sort of been on the Clemson bandwagon for a couple years. I was voting them uh, high in the poll for a while because I really do think they're a really talented team. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they're really good on both sides of the ball. I like them, and you know what? I think in the end that I that I in the end you sort of realize of why you like how they play. It's because they're a lot like Ohio State. You know, they're like an offense that can put up points, but they're not Texas Tech, Baylor, Oregon, you know. Mm -hmm. And then on the defensive side of the ball, they're not one of those teams that just gives up 40 a game either. Like those Big 12 offenses, I think it's hard. If you don't live it every day, I think sometimes it's hard to respect that style of play where it's we're going to throw it 80 times and give up 50 points and try to win 63-60 every week. Um, but I, rely, I like how Clemson plays because they have super talented guys, but they have it on and both sides of the ball. I remember being, I, I am, I really have a lot of respect for Deshaun Watson, but JT Barrett's pretty darn, darn good too. Okay. Cleveland.com slash OSU stories Friday, stories Saturday morning. Um, the game is a 7 p.m. Eastern kick after Alabama Washington. Let's give a quick one. Anybody you think Washington's winning? I, I oh, want to pick Washington oh. so badly. I like you, Chris Peterson, man. Literally, how many times have you picked again? We did picks every I week. I Alabama every week. You literally picked out Alabama to lose it. Well, you pick times. Alabama now, and this I is the one lose. you're wrong on. But there's there's 17 point favorites, man. I, I just think the Boise, talent gap's probably huge. Boise State Magic. If Statue of Liberty play, play one. I would. Th- I, I think yeah, Chris Peterson is going to swing. As hard as he possibly can and do some weird stuff. So what, none of us are picking an Ohio State-Alabama matchup? You and I think the final is going to be Alabama-Clemson, and he thinks it's going to be Ohio State-Washington. Yeah. Go back to the preseason, Cleveland.com, playoff, national championship projections to go find mine. Mine was the same. I had uh, Florida State winning. <laughs> we both had Florida, Al- Florida State and Louisville. In, right? I had the SEC okay. and the Big Ten not in the playoff. <laughs> but... Uh, <laughs> Ari and I both picked a rematch of last year's title game of Alabama-Clemson. Because that was also the easiest thing to pick, too, at the time. But yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, that's it. Um, thanks for listening. Thanks for reading all week. We've had a, um, a good week out here getting to talk to all these guys. Um, win or lose, lots of coverage coming after the game. And then the week after, if Ohio State loses and their season's over, we're going to immediately start thinking about the future. We have a lot of stuff on young guys that you're going to want to read at cleveland.com. Uh, if Ohio State wins... If this gets down to Ohio State, Alabama, I mean, it is going to be gigantic. And you are going to want to be at Cleveland.com every day because we're going to be filling it up. And we're going to do – we've done a podcast every day uh, for the Fiesta Bowl. If Ohio State and Alabama play, we're going to do three podcasts a day. We're going to record one on the plane. Yeah. Plane ride from here to Columbus. All right. So thanks for listening. Uh, For Ari Wasserman and Bill Landis, I'm Doug Lee Maurice, and that was Buckeye Talk.